I've had some horror stories, but so many good stories to see a small business or a startup or just like a scrappy mom and shop be able to like turn their business around or make sales that they wouldn't have. And and when you feel connected to it, it's easier to invest your time and invest extra resources because you believe in their dream. From Comcast NBC Universal Lift Labs, it's Ideas Elevated, the podcast that elevates innovative entrepreneurs and their ideas. I'm Danielle Kahn, the head of Lift Labs, and today's guest is Brie Kellum Balogan, who recently joined us for a Live at Lift female founders and funders meetup. Brie is the senior director of account management at Revolt Media and TV, and we recently partnered with Brie and her team on a very special docu series called Founding in Color for Xfinity's Black Experience that shares nine incredible founder stories. In this episode, hosted by my colleague, Isa Asawata, Brie will share tips for building trust and setting boundaries. And you'll learn new strategies for gaining and retaining client relationships at any stage of your startup journey. All that and more with Brie Kellum Balogan, now on Ideas Elevated. I definitely wanted to give you a moment to, you know, introduce yourself and tell the folks here on the call who you are, what you do, and just like a little bit more about Revolt. Yeah, so I'm originally from Canada. I moved here uh, to go to university. I was, I guess, just attracted to, you know, what you see on TV about like American culture and, you know, American schools. And the goal was for me to go back home and and be a lawyer. You know, move back to, you know, northern Toronto and senior year of college. You know, all along, you have this thing in your gut that, it's just something's not right. You know, it's not fitting. But my entire life, I was told I was going to be a lawyer. And I was like, yeah, okay. I did three years of, you know, pre-law and undergrad. And I had the opportunity to have an internship with someone in PR, you know, that last summer before senior year. And that was it. My life changed, changed my major. Um, it pretty much blew up my dad's expectations of me. And um, yeah, and just had like the confidence to just say, I'm going to go into advertising. I I love the opportunity to work with brands and like be on the ground with consumers and help them mold, you know, where they're going and is their messaging right. And something that was so interesting in this industry is that oftentimes these brands would say who their targets are and what they mean in the world and what they're going to deliver. And on the time where, you know, social media is like fact checking that. <laughs> but you know, you hear about advertising here about copywriters and graphic designers and everyone that's like before all the creatives that are before the camera. And so to this day, my dad, my entire family, no one knows what I do. My dad has told people all sorts of stuff. I think he, he I think right now he tells people I'm on TV at Revolt. So cool. mad disappointment <laughs> if they were to Google me. Um, but yeah, so I've worked in across multicultural agencies. I've worked at general market agencies, lived in places like Chicago, Detroit. Now I'm in Atlanta and I've worked with brands that are, you know, big and small. It runs the gamut and I'm happy to be at Revolt, especially at this time. Um, it's a perfect time from just, you know, we, the culture demanding a lot of things from the world Mm -hmm. and to revolt a black owned media company who is the authority and just a mad supporter on black culture, hip hop culture. We are, you know, just like of the unanimous belief that we want to help brands just be better to the culture, give back to the culture um, in a meaningful way and not be so transactional that we've, we are with, with our consumers. 
And so the Revolt is also establishing an internal agency. And so we have the luxury of building this plane as we fly it. So we are fortunate to have brands and clients like yourself that trust us to deliver work when we don't have a name. <laughs> We're still <laughs> establishing this startup, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm having, having a lot of fun. No, I absolutely like agree. And I love that mentality because you're a startup within like a bigger company, but you guys are brand new. I remember when I was talking to Datavio, he was like, so we started a few months ago, but we'll do this. We will be <laughs> your head of strategy. And I was like, that's amazing. And I think at Lift Labs as well, we definitely have that startup mentality. But, you know, in your role, I know that you are the senior director of account management. So tell us what that is and how did you really get into that? Yeah, simply put, you know, follow me on this metaphor. It's like <laughs> the best passenger riding shotgun on a long road trip. So, you know, at the like onset of this road trip, everyone in the car is excited. They have an idea of where we're going and the driver's in the wheel, behind the wheel. And like, you're just like for it. And then you need somebody, you know, this passenger's job. And like, I hold my passengers to this very seriously mm-hmm. is, you know, to stay awake and help make sure we get to the final destination. So, you know, it's never about me. I am just like the conduit to facilitating everything from strategy to execution to market. And anybody should be able to depend on me. Clients first, because I'm kind of like the voice of the people that are not always in the room, making sure that it's on brand, on strategy. But my team is the creative team, right? And so I want to make sure that I'm also partnering with the client so they can, you know, trust the process, trust the creative. Um, And, you know, at the core, it's just about relationships. Like no one wants to be in a car with someone they don't like. (laughs) You want someone who can know where the next restaurant is and kind of always anticipating the needs of the drivers, no matter who's at the wheel, right? So, you know, the account management manager should always stay shotgun. But the drivers may change. And so you have to kind of adapt to those driving styles. Uh, so that's kind of like the abstract. <laughs> that is a phenomenal metaphor. And I get it. Like, I absolutely get it now. Like, there is, even like, as we work together, there are quick changes. But you're always the, as I said earlier, the North Star that if there's a quick change, I know, like, I'm going to Brie and she's going to help me figure this out. Yeah, it's in the details, I would say that that kind of helps. Um, if you're calling it in and you're only like showing up for big meetings or, you know, at the tail end of a decision, you're not really going to add value. I feel like I try to take it upon myself to, you know, it's like the off the wall impromptu needs that no one knows they need on the spot and like always right. have to try to be prepared to answer that. So yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And so sort of to go from there, you know, a lot of folks on the call right now are founders. So managing these client relationships is something that they'll have to do from day one. So can you kind of talk to us about the importance of managing these client relationships? At the core, above anything else, it's establishing a real relationship and trust. You know, it's not about, you know, avoiding pissing people off or avoiding tough conversations. Um, If you're doing it right, you're going to have some bumps in the road. That's just life, right? Like you're going to, delivery dates are going to be off. Budgets are going to get blown up. Um, So you're going to, you're going to have to be prepared to give bad news, but it's much easier to give bad news or have hard conversations with people that like you. And and you know them and you're able to kind of learn their style. It's a lot of listening and trying to meet people where they are. So for me, like, 
I mean, if a client asks me something first, like I'm like, dang, (laughs) I want to be there, you know, before they realize that they need that. And, Mm -hmm. and it's about, you know, they trust you and you have integrity with them. And so, um, though they may not like the conversation or the direction that it's going, they trust that you'll get there in the end, it'll be a solution. And, and then once you guys can figure out those tough conversations, the good stuff, the on-time stuff is just easy. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talk about how delicate relationships can be, especially with your clients and managing that. So can you kind of talk us through what startup founders can do to retain and maintain client relationships on a micro level, just like the small things that you can do, you know? Absolutely. absolutely. And in today's world, it's like, like, let's be real to establish a relationship with somebody can take years. <laughs> You're doing work at, at lightning speed. Um, so for me, it is all about the micro because little things go a long way. Cardinal rules in our industry is like, mean what you say, say what you mean. So, you know, everyone hears this, right? You under promise over deliver, do what you need to do to create safe spaces so people can trust you. So for me, I, I get my timelines from everybody and then I pat it. <laughs> I'm like, I make no promises for time unless I absolutely need to because, you know, things can go wrong. And in our industry, and if you're working in production, sometimes, you know, timelines change. But in my client's world, they've sold these timelines to stakeholders. They've made promises. Sometimes it's a product that's going to market and we've got millions of dollars in ad spend that communicated this date. So like we need these timelines to be locked. And so you can't be like laissez-faire about the things that you say because people depend on you. The, the other thing for me is uh, in establishing trust on a micro level is communication. Make it easy. Make it easy. I am of the notion that wherever you are, I will meet you there. So sometimes I'm taking an email from somebody and texting it to somebody else. Sometimes I'm putting a letter in a bottle and getting it there. I mean, any form of communication. Signals, all of it. <laughs> yes. yes, it's exhausting. Yes, it's busy work. But my clients appreciate that I get to them. And like I said, I try to beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. Um And I think one thing that was not novel, but is kind of now like a a lost means of communication is calling the phone. So I try my best not to deliver bad news or, you know, something that's major in email. I I let that be like the second (laughs) in writing portion, but I try my best to deliver like anything, even just good news, you know, pick up the phone, call them. It's sometimes it's like even awkward because I'm like, oh, am I allowed to just call them without scheduling a meeting? Um, yes, especially in a quarantine world, like hearing people's voice and getting off the computer sometimes, uh, just the environment of what they're receiving goes a long way. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And even now, if I get like a handwritten note, I'm in tears. Like that's all, <laughs> like that's what I want. Like it's the little things that like mean so much that can help you retain these relationships because. Now getting a letter is like, whoa, like that really stands out to me. Like that is something that will make me feel like, okay, this person actually cares about the work that we're doing together. Absolutely. I said, don't let that letter be cursive. Oh my God. (laughs) I know that you guys like sent us a Christmas gift a while ago. I literally was like, it's handwritten. It's absolutely thoughtful. And that was like the beginning of our, you know, working relationship. And it was very much like, wow. That's great. I guess that's how a part of how it led us here today, (laughs) which is amazing. So I know that you mentioned like obviously establishing trust is huge. And I think 
that is like number one, but on a macro level, what else can you do, you know, or even how do you establish trust? I think that takes time. So how does one as like a founder who you're super busy, how do you do that? Um, you protect your relationships. So, um, and you work at your relationships. Um, my title is like client management, but I have to build trust with everybody I work with. So I'm like the front man for several departments internally. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I need the producers to like me. I need the writers to trust me. I need graphic designers. I was telling my boss, uh, Dre, I was like, you know, yeah. it's imperative that people want to talk to me because every time I call them, I'm asking for something. <laughs> so they're like, I'm never calling to be like, you know what the client says, they don't need to review it. We could just, <laughs> like, um, I'm never like, hey, I have more money for you. Uh, so <laughs> like on the internal side, the lines can get skewed about like who I am. I'm not my client's brand. I am a Revolt employee. And so our mission is, you know, and what I represent and like who I'm bringing to the table from a Revolt side it has to be like always at my core. And I have to make sure that everyone knows um, on both ends. And when I say protect the relationship is I'm not going to put like, you know, head of content per se with my most senior conservative, conservative client, because right. I don't know how I'm going to feel about F-bombs in the morning, right? right. Or, right. or you know, people who just, you know, they don't have a poker face kind of like myself, you know, so I try my best to, um, you know, divide and conquer and be, you know, the first at the front lines. Um, and then that's also just like, you know, not crying wolf, respecting people's time, you know, and then, you know, knowing when to just kind of make decisions on your own. Um, and conversely, I think that when you are offering a service and you work with a client and they're funding projects that you're delivering on, it's easy to lose sight of your vision, your mission, your purpose. And it's easy to adopt your client's needs and concerns and their world and their voice. And so like staying true to why your clients have you on board, staying true to your teams, what your teams need, um, and just protecting the client. Not everybody needs to have access to that person all the time. Right. And I think in the same vein, I would love to know, you know, how do you gauge if a client is asking for too much? You have to stay true to who you are, right? So how do you say no to the client? <laughs> I've rarely worked on a team or a project where the clients like asked for less. <laughs> um, but you you have to have those conversations going, like starting a project. Like I talk to my team and you know, kind of what's the cost of doing business. Sometimes they're, you're willing to invest for a relationship, longer standing work <laughs> that you want to be a good partner. You don't want to nickel and dime, like all of that can get awkward. And so, you know, what is always true is that the exception oftentimes become the rule, right? Mm -hmm. And so while you don't want to, you know, say no, you know, you, you don't want to push back on little things, but they add up. And so establishing those boundaries, establishing the, those boundaries early on and being very clear Everybody likes that. You know, on the other side, the clients don't want to take advantage all the time. Like sometimes they just don't know and they don't know your business. And so they don't know how you make money and they don't know these little asks add up. And so what we like to do is we like to say, you know, if we can do it, absolutely, absolutely we'll do it. We believe in this project. We're going to invest with you on this. You know, it's this, we can make it work. And if we can't, we'll say something along the lines of, let us look into this. We will evaluate scope and fees and, you know, see what we can do and, you know, send that estimate. You know, I think we spent a lot of time talking about what startup founders should do to maintain these relationships, but 
also I've learned throughout my career that it is super important to learn what you shouldn't do so you can like avoid some of these pitfalls. So do you have any no-gos when it comes to client management? Um, you know, it's kind of, I don't like, let's be real. I work at like a good old boys industry mm-hmm. um, and the advertising world used to be crazy. So there's things that you would do like meetings and places you just probably would probably started like the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's, you know, anything that feels uncomfortable, don't mm-hmm. do it. Anything that you just can't look yourself in the mirror or you just can't answer to your team or feel good about, it's, it's a hard no. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like starting with like your own integrity and, and that is varying for different people and there's no judgment on what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll be surprised. Like you live in a big city from in my world, we're in big cities, we're at parties. Like I, I work for revolt. There's a lot of rappers involved. So, mm-hmm. you know, having a real understanding of what your own personal no goes are, are always need to be established and not forgotten. Um, there's diplomatic ways to do it and, you know, have your excuses on deck or whatever. And they'll know, you know, they'll, they'll understand. No, absolutely. And I think sort of in a similar scenario, like I think we talked about boundaries a little bit earlier and I kind of wanted to tell a little, okay, story time, a little story of my own. I used to be a consultant, right. You know? And so I learned about boundaries very quickly. Um, You know, like it's 10 o'clock, it's Saturday. I'm hanging out with my friends. We're having Mm -hmm. a good time. By the way, I'm in my early 20s, so I'm going to just say that now. My client calls me at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday. And me, I'm like, I got this. I run upstairs and I'm like on the phone, crushed it, made a bunch of promises. I was like, I'm like, I absolutely crushed the call. Amazing. Come Monday, I realized that I made a bunch of promises that there was no way I could deliver on given the timeline that we had established and agreed upon. And I was like, oh God. That was a huge realization for me. And I mean, obviously the moral of the story is do not answer the phone during non-work hours. <laughs> but also it's like, where did my client think it was appropriate to call me at 10 o'clock on a Saturday? But then I immediately turned that back on me and I was like, oh, because I didn't set boundaries. Yeah, no, that consultant life is real. And, you know, there's a lot of like ideology around how to client service and uh, some of that is like answer every single call, you know, no matter what. Uh, yes, 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 we'll figure it out. And I think that's like the fast way to make enemies at your job. <laughs> so like, I say it's easy, you know, to, to forget who signed your check. Like I spent over a year working at Walmart headquarters in Arkansas. And it's like a small town. Not only is the offices like Walmart, the whole state is like you can't are Arkansas and I was like got it <laughs> and like the whole town you could you you go to the Walmart shopping because that's what you there you go to restaurants everyone worked there um and I didn't go into like my agency you know often enough and it's so easy to like just get sucked into your client's needs but yeah they're paying for a service and like I said the the exception becomes the rule sometimes and yeah they're always gonna ask you know, like, so you have to, but they respect when you're like, no. And, and, you know, honestly, I'm like so quick to be like, okay, I hear you. I understand. I'm um, let me write that with my internal teams and see what we can do if we can do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what it sounds like, it's like you are almost like protecting your team. Like that's what you absolutely have to do. So almost to piggyback off that a little bit, like, so how do you 
avoid burnout with when you have a small team? Like, how do you guys avoid burnout when there are people pulling you in so many different directions? Oh my God. Yeah. Burnout is real. I've worked at big teams um, and we were burned out. I work at some of the smallest teams burned out Mm -hmm. Um, and it goes back to establishing boundaries. I also think that there's like, and I won't get into this because no one cares about this, but there's like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like there's a a philosophy of like profiles of people that take on certain jobs. And some people are just wired to run because it's like their industries, like bankers, for instance, or consultants. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you were made to do this (laughs) because you get like, you know, like levels that are just crazy, but everybody will burnt out at some point. And so, you know, for me, I, so I'm the only person, one of the few people that work, live in Atlanta and my team's in LA. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd be like, Oh, I'm working, you know, West coast time all the time. No, my clients are on the East coast. So I work all the coast hours, but it's important to me that I close my computer at six o'clock. I'm with my three-year-old son, you know, we're doing dinner. We're watching Blippy, you know, we do the bedtime stuff. And then if I log, like I'll I'll log on, let's be real. I'll log back on before I go to bed because the OCD in me just won't let it live. Um, But those three, four hours, five hours during the day or that evening is where like I recharge and I reset and it's important to me. And unless I really have to do it because I, I, we don't work bankers hours. There's events on Saturdays or parties at night that we have to be at. And so then I just am purposeful with my time. I'm not going to be on, you know, six in the morning before. Um, yeah. um, you know what else is it's like people will come to you the more you allow them to if you're like this is not urgent like when can we get back to this it's not I don't know what all the founders do on the line but on my job it's we're not saving lives it's not something that's so urgent all the time it's, some, it's sometimes we're just up against our own arbitrary deadlines a lot of account managers are like deadline driven we do this gotta stick to it no matter what I'm more of a, is this crucial? Like, I know we promised this date, but will Isa really miss it if we send it at nine tomorrow versus midnight tonight? You know, and some of them are taking these risks. <laughs> I'm fully out. I've been sleeping. I'm going to be out. You don't need to send it at 2 a.m. It does nothing for me because I'm not going to see it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, that's absolutely critical. And also, I know I kind of want to talk to you a little bit more about, I know you've worked with startups before in the past. So I'd love to know, like, do you have an example of working with a startup where it was just a phenomenal client relationship partnership? Like, what was that like? And what did you guys, what was the project? Like, what was that? I would love to know how you sort of do that for a small company. Yeah. Um, a larger company. Absolutely. And I'm <laughs> this is going to sound cheesy. I love what we're able to do in our relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you and, and Jeanette and the Lift Lab teams will go down in history for me as clients that trusted, you know, a scrappy team. And, and you know, like, you know, while we're having fun. Like, we believe in your vision and we want to bring it to life. But some of the conversations were like, not not the easiest. <laughs> we had, we had sure. um, and so this this project, you know, the founding in color series is definitely going to go down as one of my best experiences. And also, like my dad is an entrepreneur. My family they're entrepreneurs, and so I think that's why I have a passion and affinity for small business. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what comes with that is listen. I worked on Walmart campaigns where they would day before Christmas decided they were changing the direction of their Christmas spot. 
So it was like millions of dollars out the window. People are like in the office. It was mad. No one missed the money. Like, and that is like, you're like, wait a minute, you guys were on us on these budgets. And now it was like, (laughs) but when you work with small businesses or you are a small business, every dollar matters. And so we'd always have this like reminder internally. It was like, sometimes you're making decisions. Am I going to pay my daughter's tuition, Mm -hmm. soccer team? Or am I going to, in our case, it's like marketing, which feels sometimes like a luxury to afford. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll get calls at 10 o'clock at night or, you know, as these, a lot of our small business owners are, you know, they're, they don't work a nine to five either. And so it's as they're thinking about it, um, I say that to say, I've had some horror stories, but so many good stories to see a small business or a startup or just like a scrappy mom and shop be able to like turn their business around or make sales that they wouldn't have. And, um, and when you feel connected to it, it's easier to invest your time and invest extra resources because you believe in their dream. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think even for the work that we do at Lift Labs, like I love working with founders every day. We work really hard and going to work every day. It's easier knowing that you genuinely care about what happens because these are startups that have everything on the line. And so you want to make sure that like, I'm doing good enough for you. I know what you have on the line and I'm going to make sure that we sell this for you. Like that's the goal. Do you have any last minute tried and true tips for startup founders who are juggling everything right now, especially when it comes to gaining and retaining clients? I think that's the hard part. You land someone great, but how do you make sure you cultivate and maintain that? Out of sight, out of mind. So once it's delivered, you should always, and like I've, I've got like sales zingers for days, but always, always be selling, right? Like know, know what the opportunity is, like the next opportunity as you're working on this opportunity is little ways to create longevity because sometimes, um, you know, it's wrapped up, it's gone and, and then that's it. And then your clients may or may not call you and, you know, until the next crisis comes or when they need something else. And so if you're planning out and it's little things, right? Um, it doesn't always have to be a huge investment. It's the letter you talked about. It's staying engaged with them and, you know, in their personal lives, you know, be using social media and in a, in a genuine way, you know, one thing is definitely true is that People are smarter and savvier and way more protective of their time and their space. And if it feels cheesy and it feels salesy and there's not like a real and good intention there, your clients will sniff it out. You know, now you went from being friends to like being blocked, <laughs> you know, like, and, and you don't want to come across like you're always trying to get more money, but this is business and you should definitely have some awareness of you know, how to grow that account and, and how to, you know, solve their needs and make sure it's a true benefit. But yeah, think about how you can, you know, think longer term and not be just so in the moment, um, which is not easy to do. You're juggling other clients, you've got, you know, other projects going on, you know, as a founder, you're everything, right? You're your own internal HR and, and accountant. And, and you're also doing your passion, which brought you to even start this business. Um, so it's not easy and there's not always a time to do it, but, you know, and if not you, somebody who can just keep these, especially your core clients, make them feel relevant, make them feel special and don't lose sight of them all the while, not losing sight of yourself <laughs> and, you know, and, and you're calling and why you're doing this. This has been Ideas Elevated from Comcast, NBC Universal, Lift Labs. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. For more info and to find us on social, 
head to ComcastNBCULift.com or check out the show notes. Ideas Elevated is a Q9 production. This episode was produced by Kevin Schmidlin with associate production by Catherine Nails, editing and mixing by Jeremy Bishop, and theme music by The Last Generation on Film. From Lift Labs, I'm Danielle Kahn. Until next time.